Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dorsey Wright Podcast. I'm Ian Saunders. And I'm Eric McArdle. And it is Wednesday, uh, January 22nd. Uh, so back-to-back uh, media content here this week. Had the had the Monday video yesterday as markets were closed Monday and then coming out here with the podcast today. And um, really a lot of the same themes that we've seen continuing over the past couple weeks. We're looking at domestic equity markets continuing to, to rise steadily here this morning. Um, saw most of the major indexes pull back a little bit yesterday, but then now we come in and the S&P 500 hit a new all-time high on its default chart. Um, so things are really kind of continuing to see, see, um, can creep steadily higher, um, but they're moving more into overbought territory, really kind of across the board that we're seeing, at least in the broader domestic equity indexes. Um, but we've seen a few of the indicator changes to reflect that. Is, is that right there? Right? Yeah, and, and we've spent a lot of time talking about these overbought states of the market, and how could you not, right? We've been in this, in this stage uh, really for the last few months as domestic equity large cap indices continue to set new all-time highs. And you know, we look at the S&P 500 currently displaying a weekly OBOS or weekly distribution reading of 110%. So extremely overbought. And we talked about that a little bit in the video yesterday as to why that's not necessarily such a bad thing looking forward. However, when we look at that in the context of another indicator, we wanted to see if the results were similar. So an alternate to that weekly distribution would be looking at the WDSPX. Now, those things sound pretty similar, right? Mm -hmm. The difference being when we're looking at the reading for the index as a whole, you're going to be skewed generally by whatever names are moving the most that are weighted the most. So think of your Apple, your Microsoft, your Google, right? All significantly weighted positions that have continued to rally sharply, thus skewing that reading. Whereas if we look at WDSPX, we're looking at the average weekly distribution reading for those 500 holdings. So it's a little bit more evenly represented, right? Every weight or every holding gets the equal representation. And on that reading, we're seeing a 40% measure, which is elevated relative to what we typically see and if we look back historically, you know, it, it's kind of on the upper end of the historical readings as well. So, you know, kind of tying into that SPX overbought reading, but we wanted to look forward and see, okay, what do returns look like for the market when the WD SPX is at 40% or higher? And what we found was when we look at all the observations, you know, historically, for one month forward, three months forward, and six months forward, all returns are positive. And in fact, the three month and the six month are above average. So not necessarily the end of the world, right? Definitely in an elevated market, as we've talked about ad nauseum. But you do see some positive evidence that says you can't be in an overbought market without a strong equity core underlying, right? Mm -hmm. And we've seen that on other fronts too, is that right? We have, we have. And we always talk about the idea of confirmation here, right? You want indicators to confirm other indicator readings. And, and, and an article that we looked at, um, we actually talked about in last week's Daily Equity Report on Tuesday, was taking a look at the NYSE High-Low Index. So for those who might be newer to the platform, the NYSE High-Low is one of, the, um, one of the indicators we have here that looks at the percentage of stocks in the New York Stock exchange that are, that are making new 52-week highs relative to those that are making new highs and lows, so combining the both and the bottom. Um, but really what it's looking at is, okay, well, how, how many stocks are, are moving to that new ups, that new upside target? Um, and that has some pretty extreme moves that we've seen there. Um, pulling up the chart, I mean, you can see it's moved several column changes 
um, in the past year. It moves around quite a bit, um, and it recently reached the 94th percentile. So it, it moved up to 94% um, right there at the end of last year, really. Um, and but if we take a look at the same way and we look, okay, well, when the indicator moves above 90%, um, a lot of times people are going to identify that as, okay, things are things are things might be getting too extended, uh, maybe looking for time for, for a top, right? That, that's a general kind of theme. Um, but if we take a look at returns after the indicator moves above 90%, we actually see in a similar vein to the WDSPX, pretty positive returns looking one month, three months, and six months out as well. Pretty similar returns, honestly, hmm. um, from, from, from what we saw on the WDSPX there. So six months out, you're looking at an average return um, of, of, of about 6.5% there um, when the NYSE high low moves above 90%. So really, that's just meant to say, yes, things might be in overextended territory. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to wait for the big fall off the Cliff, right? Okay. Um, equity markets, as we've said in the past, they're supposed to, they're meant to breathe. It can't go up forever, although that would be nice. <laughs> um, it has to pull back at some point, and so a little bit of a pullback here and there um, isn't nothing. It is not anything to be afraid of, I guess, in, in the near term. Uh, but nonetheless, things are still looking relatively strong uh, for most areas that we're seeing here uh, this morning. But there are a few laggards that we're seeing in the market. Is that right? Yeah, there are, and, and one that comes to mind is Boeing, right? And this has been a name that we've talked about, you know, a couple times throughout the last year, as it's been in the news a lot. Um, you know, obviously they're going through uh, a various amount of issues at this point, but yesterday breaking a triple bottom at 320 on the default chart to return to a sell signal, and then violating support at 320 to move as low as 308. And this had been kind of a, a last stand support level for the stock. You know, we've watched it trade in a relatively range-bound, consolidated manner throughout the year, um, but definitely showing weakness here. It's a two-for-fiver, returned to a negative trend in October of 2019. Um, I know this is a, a popular holding for many clients and many advisors, but definitely want to steer clear of adding new money at this point. However, when we look at alternate alternative ways to play this, and I'm sure many of you are thinking, okay, you know, we like the area of the market that Boeing is in, but maybe we don't want to hold Boeing. Great opportunity to swap it out for an ETF. And when we look at an ETF that is focused in that same space, but doesn't have a whole lot of exposure to Boeing, we can see that XAR, the S&P Aerospace and Defense ETF from State Street, really shows you a great substitute for that exposure. Uh, Boeing is less than 4% of the holdings. XAR is currently displaying a 5.76 fund score, which is superior, near a perfect six. Positive score direction, trading on multiple consecutive buy signals at an all-time high, uh, and is actionable, right? We've talked a lot about how the market is heavily overbought, extremely overbought in some cases. Mm -hmm. This is an area you could add money to work today and feel pretty comfortable with doing so. So. You know, I think that's a good alternative right now while Boeing kind of finds its footing. You know, again, still on a long-term market RS buy signal for that stock, um, which is what we want to see, but, you know, a lot of volatility in the near term. Um, and, you know, kind of pivoting a bit, Ian, we're talking about aerospace and defense. That falls in line with the broader industrial sector, right, mm -hmm. which has been a bellwether for domestic equity investors. We look at it on asset class group scores and it's ranked third of 135 overall groups. So extremely strong as a group. 
which really lends to the strength that has been carried over into the long-term picture of Dolly, where it sits as the number two overall sector in the Dolly rankings. Mm -hmm. So a great area uh, that is also actionable when we look at the iShares U.S. Industrial ETF, ticker IYJ, we see a product that is on a fourth consecutive buy signal at an all-time high with a 4.4 fund score. So actionable uh, from an OBOS reading as well, showing 56% on that weekly distribution. So industrials, aerospace as a whole, looks like a good place to put money to work in this overbought market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in terms of some other places, that for those of you that might be looking to put money to work, um, we had another uh, change actually recently in Dolly. Um, so if you look at the, you can look at the Dolly rankings on that main overview tab, but if you change it to the Dolly details tab, um, one of the other, I guess, indicators that we have there is the cash percentile rank for each of the asset classes. Uh, so what that's looking at is taking a matrix of representatives uh, from each of the asset classes. So each asset class has its own matrix. Um, and then we put money market, we put cash into that matrix to see, okay, well, where does cash rank relative to everything else? What percentile is it in, right? Um, and so for domestic equities, that's going to be the most uh, frequently followed cash percentile rank indicator. Uh, that moved back into a favorable strong territory, uh, which we identify as having a cash percentile rank in the bottom third, so 33 percentile or below. Um, that moved into the green, the strong uh, uh, category there. Um, a little little bit earlier on, actually, in the end of last year. Um, but uh, international equities was had a little bit more back and forth movement than its domestic counterpart. Um, it moved down right in the kind of more earlier last year, um, then moved back up right there at the end of, end of the year in August, um, back above that 33 percentile into the um, yellow, what we would call average territory between 33 and 66 percent. Um, but then actually just on Friday, it moved back below um, that, the, back in the bottom third of the rankings with a, a current uh, cash rank of 23.33 percent. And so looking back historically at um, some of the changes in that cash percentile rank over time, we do see that it changes a little more frequently than the domestic equities side of things, um, but it doesn't tend to have as much extreme movement, I guess, in the short term. For instance, last year, looking in 2018, uh, we saw the cash uh, percentile rank for domestic equities move uh, above 66% and move as high as 67, mm -hmm. uh, which was not the case for international. International really didn't get above 50% there at all mm -hmm. um, at any point there in 20, 2018 or in 2019. Um, now it's moved back down into that green, that actionable territory, as we, we like to say there. So a, a positive sign that we see moving in there for um, the international space as a whole. And we've seen that positive strength for internationals continue really the end of last year and, and uh, at the beginning of this year as well, um, looking at emerging markets and developed markets both continuing to the upside, although some recent uncertainty about potential viruses coming out of <laughs> China mm -hmm. have um, led to some of the emerging market indexes, really those with heavyweights in China, to, to be um, drawn down a little bit there yesterday. Uh, for, for instance, EEM was down just over 2.5% in trading on Tuesday. Um, but that did not lead to a change on the point and figure chart. We still see that EEM sits on two consecutive buy signals. Um, it's in a little bit more actionable territory now as well, only 38% overbought. Um, and looking specifically at China, um, many of those funds had seen quite a run over the past several weeks as we mm -hmm. had the, the signing of the phase one trade deal uh, between the U.S. and China uh, a couple weeks ago, um, led to many of those uh, China-focused funds uh, to continue significantly higher upon um, quite consecutive buy signals, uh, many up on a pretty significant stem. And for a lot of those, really the, specifically those China sector-focused ETFs, um, saw maybe a little bit of a pullback there yesterday. So just 
because you get the negative news headlines going around doesn't always mean you shouldn't necessarily look at the space. Um, this particular space in, in particular in China, um, those negative news headlines might have just made prices normalize a little bit and gave you a better opportunity to get in. So one specific fund that we were taking a look at was the Global X MSCI China Consumer ETF, ticker, uh, ticker is CHIQ. Um, that's on three consecutive buy signals. Uh, moved to overbought levels there at around $20 at the beginning of this year, and then just pulled back into a column of those yesterday at $19. Um, so a little bit better opportunity for entry at, the, at this point here. Um, so seeing some further um, further opportunity, I guess, in international. One area we're looking for more opportunity within international is in international small caps. I mean, small caps have been a name uh, definitely on the domestic side that has continued to lag their, their mid-cap and large-cap counterparts throughout most of last year and really heading into this, the, the new year in 2020 as well. Um, but if you take a look at the international small caps group on the asset class group scores, it's risen significantly in ranking and score over the past several weeks. Um, represented a fund that we're looking at in there, the First Trust Emerging Markets uh, Small Cap Fund, FEMS is the ticker there. Um, I saw a period of pretty consistent consolidation throughout most of last year. Uh, big down year in 2018, 2019 really just kind of moved sideways, consolidating towards that mid $30, $30 point. Um, and then once it gave a buy signal at $36.50, it just kind of went straight up from there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a pretty picturesque bullish triangle pattern that we're looking at there that was completed in November, but we've seen the security continue higher since that time. So um, it's going to be one name that's still in overbought territory, hasn't seen any kind of really near-term pullback or anything there, at least not yet. Um, so another area to kind of keep an eye on as we head down the new year. Right. And with that recent ascent on FEMS, you've got a, a positive trend reversal as well. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're seeing improvement there, right, especially in the near term, kind of carrying over to the long term as international continues to tick higher in the, the buy signal count in Dolly. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and be sure to let you know of any developments that we find or that we think are worth uh, uh, worthy of your attention. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with that, I think we pretty much covered it. Ian, do we have any other housekeeping items we want to throw in? Um, there was. I did want to make sure that we uh, mentioning. We have a few upcoming events um, that, that we always want to bring your attention to, but one specific event in particular. Uh, next week, we're going to be having our 2020 Market Outlook webinar. Um, that is going to be um, to taking place there next week. That's going to be with John Lewis and with Ben Jones. Uh, John Lewis is our Senior Portfolio Manager from out in Pasadena, and um, Ben Jones is, is one of the senior analysts here in the office. So, um, Definitely a great point to come in and uh, take an hour to hear about what we're seeing uh, looking forward in the markets next year. That's going to be on January 31st there at 1 p.m. Um, and you do get uh, one CFPCE credit for that as well. So for those of you looking, looking to get some credits or looking to hear our outlook, uh, definitely a great uh, webinar to sign up for there coming up soon. Fantastic. And of course, we're always posting events in the Were You Aware section of the Daily Equity Report. So, you know, Keep an eye on that. We like to make sure that we, we cover all different aspects, whether they're webinars, in-person events, upcoming broker institutes. So, you know, if you're interested in all things Dorsey Wright, make sure you follow that Were You Aware section of the report. Also want to note that if you're listening to this on the podcast and you hear us mention any visuals or any charts, uh, we will typically throw those into our YouTube counterpart of the podcast stream. So, want to make sure that we throw that out there for, for those of you listening in the car. If you hear something that's interesting to you, uh, we do have supplemental material that comes out every Friday afternoon uh, that t ties with this podcast. So with that, Ian, pleasure as always for you all. We'll talk to you next week.